Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. What's the first brand that you remember or had an impact on you? McDonald's. McDonald's, that was fast. Every Friday night when my mom was coming home from work, she brought a single bag and it had three cheeseburgers, one for each of us, and one large chocolate shake. These are brands that create that nostalgia that is, I think, what drives us and, and what has been part of some of the greatest memories that I've had in my life. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. We recorded this session of the CMO podcast in Cannes, France at the Festival of Creativity, where all the marketing professionals in the world gather to look at the best work. Today, my guest was Alicia Tillman, she is the CMO of SAP, a $24 billion software company. Alicia is a bright light in our industry. She talked about coming into SAP with a goal to make this a top 10 brand in the world. And that's what her CEO's remit to her was when he brought her in. She talked about her relationship with her CEO, which was incredible. Her inspiration she gets from him, the relationship they have on the business. It's a model, frankly, for every CEO and CMO. And she talked poignantly about the early inspiration from her working mother. So enjoy this podcast. It's a great one. It's full of energy, insights, and optimism. Here's my conversation with Alicia Tillman. So welcome, Alicia, to the CMO Podcast. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. We're recording in Cannes, of course, and we're here for the Festival of Creativity. Yes. So is this your first year? This is my second year. Your second year. So last year when I was here for the first time, I would say that it was... Were you stunned? I was stunned. Yeah. I was stunned. There's a lot of boats here, and that's where most things take place. So that's unusual being in a corporate environment, typically every day of the week. Um, and so it was a little bit overwhelming, I would say, last year. And so this year, I'm kind of taking it all in a bit more and getting out there a bit more as well. So how would you describe Can to uh, your mother? I That is a fabulous question. I would say this is the place where marketers come together to figure out how we're going to chart our journey forward. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that there's definitely some rosé involved yeah, in rose. that. But some creativity. frozen rosé, too. I had frozen rosé this year for the first time. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I saw them giving out yeah, a lot of frozen. Yeah. You tried that? Yeah, it was good. Was it? It's actually really good. I need to try that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should launch that in the U.S. We need to. <laughs> At every event from here on out, we need a frozen alcoholic beverage. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so this is your second year. So how's the experience different for you the second year? 
you said you're kind of more calm, you're taking it in stride, but what's Yeah, what's and I've been diving in a bit more. I think yeah. last year I was observing a lot to try to figure out, okay, and, and, and it's not just my first time here, but for our brand to show up here for the first time was last mm -hmm. year. And so I was really observing, um, really understanding how individuals were showing up and where they were finding value and then how brands were showing up and what their objectives were here to, to then try to figure out, okay, well, if SAP is going to show up in Cannes the previous year, how will SAP be here? So as a brand, what would we do? And then what would I do and how would I spend my time? And so I have found myself as well as SAP becoming more involved, you know, getting involved in a lot of the programmatic activity that's mm -hmm. happening, becoming a part of a lot of the, the community discussions that sure. are happening here. Um, you know, part of the incredible movements that have happened with the Female Quotient Lounge, the new Goals House that we built with Deloitte this year, we're super excited about. So just immersing ourselves more in things that are really authentic to our brand. Well, you and I were in a meeting earlier today yes. with some of the top CMOs of the world talking about the future of marketing and some of the challenges and issues. Why do you think that marketing in each company is so different? You know, if I walked into SAP and I walked into... Apple and I walked into Samsung and I walked into Procter and Gamble, I would kind of find different work. Yeah. And I wouldn't find that in finance or human resources or even R&D. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Well, you know, and it's 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 so interesting that you say that and and I absolutely agree. And I think that that there's great benefit in that on one hand, but on the other, I think there is a need for us to for lack of a better word, probably standardize mm -hmm. some yep. of the marketing practice so that it can be clear by each company the role that marketing plays for a business. And I think standardization in that regard, and that's what we spent some time talking about this morning, that really matters. But the one thing that I'm always, uh, I always quickly say, I spent the first 11 years of my career at American Express, and the marketing strategy that I built for American Express is very different from the marketing strategy that I'm building for SAP. And um, in a lot of ways, I think the fundamentals of marketing need to be the same. Mm -hmm. The way we influence a company's brand, the way we represent the story, the way we work to influence and generate pipeline. The activities around that, I think, evolve. And based on certain uh, maturity levels of the company or things that they're looking to grow into, right. that's where I think you typically find the difference. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it could be industry related. It could be related to where they are in a certain life cycle, cycle or a journey related to something. And so I think that that's where the nuances come. But yet the fundamentals of what marketing are, is there to achieve and their place in the company, that's where I think we could stand for some more standardization so that both CEOs um, as well as us as marketing practitioners know precisely how to pull which lever to create overall company success. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, listen, we're getting into a little bit of what is marketing and your experience in American Express. So I want to step back for a bit and get to sure. know you a little bit better yeah. to start off the conversation. So what was your mom's career? She was a working mom. Yeah. She was a working mom, um, and and my father was as well, uh, and they were both in the retail business. Oh, wow. Yeah, so <clears throat> I would say, you know, working in retail, um, you know, my parents always said to me, you're never going into retail because it's physically and mentally um, draining. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my parents, they were so unbelievable uh, in so many ways because they taught us um, about hard work. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, seeing my mom, you know, after my father had passed away, raising three of us who were all under the age of 13 years old, but still, you know, out there in the retail space and working holidays and weekends and nights and because that's what you do. And and even as her career grew and she went up the ladder, she always remained there on the front lines with her people. So it taught me not only about the value of hard work and commitment and needing to work hard to get what you want out of life, but also never abandoning your team because you've graduated from that level. So always being in the trenches and always helping people to get what you want was another thing that that she had taught me as well. She sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so you know what you and I have in common? I do. What is it? Well, we have a couple of things in common. Yeah. First off, we're both Tauruses. We have a birthday that's one day apart from each other. You're May the You're 5th, I'm good. May the 6th. <laughs> my son's fiance is May the 6th. Oh. And my son is May the 7th. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that wild? <laughs> they're getting married this summer. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, my wedding anniversary is actually May the 5th. And when my husband and I were deciding on our wedding date, um, he said, is May the 5th okay? I says, yeah, but we have... We'll have a wedding anniversary. We'll have my birthday, and then we'll have Mother's Day. So we need to make sure we still get so three he won't gifts forget here. Anything, right? Right. Yeah. These don't get bundled. We still yeah. need three. Yeah. So he's hold true yeah. to that promise <laughs> still. Um, and the other thing we have in common is we below we both believe in the power of purpose when it comes to building successful brands, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, I have admired so much about you. The first time we met was when I was part of the CMO program at Kellogg and you came in and spoke with us. And that was at the core of your presentation. And it was actually prior to me um, uh, getting promoted into the role as CMO of SAP, which happened a a few months after I heard you speak. And I will tell you that when I first came into the role uh, to become the CMO, the very first thing I did was talk about the purpose of our brand. And, um, you know, the reality is, is people buy one thing today and they buy authenticity and you can't manufacture authenticity. And I know that you believe the same. And looking back on why SAP was created 47 years ago is at the heart of the narrative that I took the lead on to create for the company. And I know that that is absolutely the way that you've built companies too and and how you're working to advise companies today and it's just been so meaningful to me and and I think the most special thing that we have in common yeah well Alicia you, re- you refer to the Kellogg program and that's a, for our listeners that's a four-day CMO development program for kind of emerging CMOs and it's done at the Kellogg School at Northwestern once a year well we're going to talk about purpose and SAP in a moment but one or two more other questions for you What's um, what's a brand that you cannot live without? A non SAP brand. Well, there are a few. Is it still McDonald's? Um, <laughs> no, I've moved on a little bit. My kids are yeah. huge McDonald's yeah. fans, of course. Um, you know, I would say like I would probably say it's my phone. It's Apple. Um, you know, I I am you know pride myself on being super connected. I, it, it, it frankly is what enables me to, to be on business trips most often every week, but also try to run the household back at home. Um, you know, and without it, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people would say the same, it's helped me be more connected and it's helped me sort of be able to be a mom as well as a career, uh, person, um, because I'm always connected and I have that ability to respond instantly. And then of course, always know where I need to be and when and where and all of those things. And so it's, what's your favorite app on your phone? 
Well, I would say that I would, I would give you a couple. So um, I would say it's Instagram for, uh, I love uh, video and pictures. Um, I think they, you, you have an ability to almost narrate your own story when you see someone else's picture. And I just think it says so much. So I love that to, to connect with people emotionally. Uh, I would say uh, Resi, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I think it's the next generation yep. of, of uh, booking dining. Um, so that's a huge one for me. Um, and then I would say um, Waze, which oh, is... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's a lifesaver, right? For someone who needs to know precisely when mm -hmm. I can be somewhere um, and to know literally what feels like every mile marker, whether there's police activity or yeah. an a accident pothole. or a pothole, <laughs> which is amazing. So it's like directions to help me, dining to, you know, yeah. help me yeah. have some fun. And then um, Instagram so that I can remain connected emotionally to, to those in my life, I would say, are the top three. So what's one thing that we cannot find out about you online? Um, I uh, was a surfer when I was a young girl. Yeah, growing up along the Jersey Shore. So surfing was my sport. So I uh, started off as a boogie boarder, but then um, moved into are surfing. Are you still surfing? Yes, I am. Yeah, not as frequently as I would like my to. My wife just gave me a surfboard for Father's Day. Take it out. We'll go surfing together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it um, to be able to be out there on the water. You know, everybody always says you live longer when you live by the sea. Yeah. And I'm just a believer in that. And it's it's a way to help you think. And it's sport. Um, so you're like physically yeah. helping yourself too. But yeah, most people would not find out about that. Um, I don't really talk online about that. So that's one little tip as well. <laughs> so listen, let's talk about SAP for a bit. Sure. Okay. So um could you describe SAP to me? Actually, describe it as if you were in your kid's classroom. Yeah. What, what do you tell their – if you went in to make a half hour or a five-minute talk about SAP, how would right. you start that? Yeah, my kids' ages, they, they'll give me about 30 seconds. Yeah, right. Okay, 30 seconds days, We help technology to, to solve problems in the world. And one of the, the, the problems that I often talk with my kids about is uh, my kids have a huge affinity to animals. Um, and we have a significant challenge in uh, South Africa with uh, poaching. Um, you know, it's something that obviously gets reported on quite frequently in the news um, with the poaching challenges that we have. Uh, and one of our customers actually uses SAP uh, technology to solve the poaching challenge that we have in South Africa by uh, creating... Um, uh, we actually embed technology into thousands of elephants uh, in South Africa, and we can track when they're moving too closely into poaching zones wow. so that we can move elephants away. Um, and we also send signals immediately to the authorities when we can sense that that type of activity is happening as well. And when I talk about the fact that, you know, mom is, very is helping mm -hmm. to save animals, yeah. it's immediately, um, it's something that they can understand. Right. And Quite frankly, I will tell you, that's no different from how I feel we need to be telling our story to anybody. Right. The same kind of emotional connection because and relevance. Because that's what matters yeah. today. I mean, yeah. I know that you believe the same yeah. thing. Yeah. And 
Yeah, SAP d- builds technology to help companies run better uh, across their infrastructure and their operations. But at the end of the day, what's that sort of higher purpose? Mm-hmm. If companies run better, what do they have an ability to do? And they have the ability to change things in the world, which is always about why they were founded in the first place. And so that's what I spend the time talking with the kids about. So I want to talk about this journey you've been on. In 2018, I think, you kind of redid the brand narrative, right? You, you affirmed your purpose or maybe added some you know, deeper relevance to it. And you came out with a story, uh, this, um, this, this ad with Clive Owens. I remember it. I still watch it. I think it's, it's a beautiful story. And I think it made me interested in your company, mm-hmm. made me feel connected to it. So I would like you to tell us kind of why you took that journey to kind of sharpen the narrative. Uh, how Was it hard? Did you make mistakes? How did you bring people with you? What difference has it made? So just for our listeners, you know, uh, tell us what you learned and where, yeah. where are you on that journey now? And what do you think remains to be done? So I became the CMO of SAP about two years ago. Yeah. And I remember uh, when my CEO, Bill McDermott, was introducing me to the company in this new role. He said, and Alicia, you're going to help us to become one of the 10 most valuable brands in the world. And he said this in in front of, at the time, 75,000 employees. And I thought to myself- At that time, you were probably not in the top 50? We were 21 at the time. 21, okay. So so my first thought, as I was thinking, is where are we right now? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he wanted you to jump into- The top 10 is you're up there with- well, you're up there with all consumer all brands. Uh, yeah. You are up there with household tough. brands. Yep. High frequency brands, right? Yeah. And so that was my first. Uh, well, one thing I it's will say. It's a great say, goal. It's a great. It's, and I am motivated for by the BHAGs, yeah. right? The big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah. Like, that is my thing. Um, and so I went away and I first said, well, where are we now? And then the second thing I looked at is, well, who is in the top 10. And not only are they your uh, largest companies in the world, Mm -hmm. but they are also your most known brands. Um, But there are also a lot of brands that sit in the top 100 that you think, wow, how is this brand like at number 52 or 86? And this was, this is a brand that I'm quite familiar with as well. And so I began to, to, to spend the time to, to really. So let me ask one question. Why did your CEO say that? Why was it important for him to have you in the top 10 most valuable brands? Um, Because these companies are really representative of really what drives consumer interest today. And when I say consumers, I talk about all customers on the B2B side as well. And, um, you know, he said, you know, we deserve that because 47 years ago when we were founded, we were founded with a purpose that really resonates with people, uh, no matter where you are or what you do in the world. And, to be able to use technology to help the world become a better place when every day we're faced with challenges that we have to solve. He believed in the purpose of the company and he thought, well, why can't we? Um, and he often asks us that question. Um, so if, if, he's, if he's often met with an answer that's no, it's like, well, why not? Um, and if we say, well, possibly, and then it's how. Well, how are we going to do it? And then, of course, it's always when. Yeah, right, <laughs> when right. can yeah. this happen? Yeah. Um, and also because he... You know, he he wants to create a workforce that is is continuously inspired. And when you can, you know, say to your family, hey, I work for one of the 10 most valuable brands in the world, that's pretty special. 
Um, you know, it motivates the current workforce and certainly looks to attract the future workforce as well. And so, you know, I set off to really understand, well, what are the commonalities between these brands that sit in the top 10? And when I when I looked at what I found as five commonalities um, between them, I said, you know what? SAP can be this. And the other thing that I was inspired by was SAP can be the first pure B2B brand that is in the top 10 as well. And so the first thing that I had to do was really get straight on truly the purpose and the value of SAP. Um, because one thing all of these brands have in common, they are exceptionally focused on purpose. They know what their place is in the world. And they're very consistent around what they're doing about it. Like, how are they truly driving to change the world on some level? And so I, I, I looked at the, the story of SAP. And what I had found was we had a lot of messages um, but none that were anchored in a brand narrative for our business. And so I spent the first three months that I was in the role looking back onto 47 years when five leaders left IBM because they believed that they could go out and build something uh, that could really change the world, both for companies to enable them to operate more effectively so that in turn they could change the world. So it was all about how could our technology help So smart help of you to look back. Look back. And look at the inspiration of the founders. Yeah. So often we don't do that. Companies don't do it. New employees don't do it. Yeah. But there's such richness in how a company was founded and then how it evolved. And I always use the example when I'm, when I'm talking with, with other CMOs is find your napkin story. And what I mean by that is anytime a company was ever founded, oftentimes the idea was sketched onto a cocktail napkin on some form. So I'll say, find your napkin um, because it does exist. Even if your business model has evolved through the years or right. leaders have changed or acquisitions and mergers have occurred, there was still this fundamental belief and purpose as to what your founders believed you could do that was new or better. And so I said, find that. And, and I found it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was all about how technology could be an enabler to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And that was a, that was a vision that I felt was understood by many across the company, but it wasn't practiced in how we were necessarily going to market or architecting our products that we were putting into the hands of our customers. So I said, no, so let's spend the time to create a brand narrative that could serve as the anchor truly for everything we do, because it's authentically us, but where the credibility really begins to occur is when you put it into practice to really put your company behind everything that you're looking to achieve. And so we set out to do that. I spent a lot of time reading, reading about our founders and things that they were saying when they first um, built the company. And even more so, I spent time with customers and I spent time with employees and asking them to tell me, what does SAP mean to you? Why is SAP in your life? Especially with employees. So you did this yourself. I did you, this with myself and a small collection of yeah. those that were on my team. And they loved it. Um, everybody was inspired by it. And I will say, we ended up penning a new narrative for the company that was rooted in our purpose. Uh, and I remember when we launched it uh, on our corporate portal, was one of the ways in which we launched it. The countless comments that we had received from employees, I mean, things such as, this is why I joined this company 25 years ago. Thank you for reminding me of that and grounding our company in it to someone who said, 
hey, I'm new. Um, I just graduated from school. I've been here for six months. And this is the type of company that I want to be with, wow. one that is focused on purpose. So no matter what stage you are in your career, um, you know, I once had someone correct me to say, oh, well, it's only the, I said, you know, the millennials are the ones that are demanding companies that are purpose driven. And I had someone very rightly correct me and say, I might be later in my career, but I can tell you that I would never want to associate myself with a brand that wasn't focused on doing good in some way in the mm -hmm. world. And so it matters um, of every generation. And so, so you engaged employees, customers, you studied yes. the history with your team. So it was very social before you came out with it. So yeah. tell me how you then sort of introduced it. Yeah. So, so you talked about um, the work that we did with Clive Owen. So one of the things that I realized... Who was your agency who did that? Uh, Omnicom, Omnicom. So BBDO was our uh, creative yep. agency that worked with us on this. And one of the things that I realized is, okay, so we had our story. But the tone and style of how we told that story really mattered uh, as well. Because, you know, you can put together a bunch of words, but if they don't necessarily land or resonate emotionally, then all it is is a bunch of words that may just be more representative of corporate speak than truly what you're trying to convey. And so I really wanted to change the tone and style. And I think that this was a shift with, with SAP as a... Uh, as the uh, the leading European technology brand in the world. We don't have many of those left anymore. Um, but our brand was known um, to be uh, not necessarily very approachable, not warm, right. um, and we needed to change that. Um, and this wasn't at all working to kind of change the roots of our company. It was about how to actually deliver our message in a way that protected the authenticity of our brand, but was conveyed in a way that would really be able to resonate emotionally with our buyers. And so I wanted to inject a fair bit of humor, which was met with a uh, really, what is that going to look like? Um, and I also wanted to talk about topics that mattered, not necessarily your typical B2B right. topics you're trying to solve, which are saving service and control. Right. Right, all of those corporate objectives that we're working to support it, but but no, no, no. Once once we solve that, what does it ultimately enable our customers to deliver to their customers yeah, across the twenty five industries we support? Why, right? why yeah. is this important? Yeah. yeah, and 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 how do we kind of take the story further? I mean, oftentimes we stop at the decision maker and the corporate goals, and I said, no, no, let's take it all the way down to the value of en every interaction someone has with SAP technology. Let's tell the story in the way that they're going to understand it. And so that was a big brain exercise, both for the agency as well as for us as a team and as a company overall. We really had to kind of think past the fundamentals of B2B marketing and really put ourselves into the minds of, any user of SAP technology that's coming in contact with it in some way. So and that's a lot of people. How many people come people. in contact with your technology around the world? 77% of the world's transactions touch so SAP software in some way. It's almost everyone who works in it's an organization. It's almost everyone. Yeah. Um, but yet, yeah. despite that uh, mass population that we touch, on the whole, people don't really understand what SAP does. Mm -hmm. and, and so I thought, well, uh, we have so many products, and it's. I'm not going to sit there and, and talk about every capability of every product, but I am going to talk about the effect that those products have on our lives, um, whether it's our work lives or it's our personal lives and what we're striving to achieve uh, from a higher purpose standpoint. We did a TV spot. Um, Clive Owen was someone that our CEO fell in love with. Um, he is charming. He, he's great in that spot. He's quite charming. Yeah. 
Um, and he, but he had conviction in that spot. You know? He did. And the beauty of what we did um, when we wrote that spot is we talked about issues of importance. We talked about the poaching challenge uh, with elephants in, in South Africa. Um, we talked about so many fundamental challenges it's we like have. It's like a manifesto in a way, you know? It was a manifesto. And, and the manifesto at the core of it was how businesses need to do something about the challenges we have in our world, where businesses are often blamed for the problems we have. And what we did as a result of that, um, the tagline of SAP historically has always been known as the best run businesses run SAP. So very rooted in right. operational yep. technology. So what we decided to do is let's actually make this more relevant and more aligned to our purpose. And so we updated it to say, the best run businesses make the world run better. And subtle because, but important change. Because that's what yeah. it's all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, our last statement was more about what we as SAP help companies become, which is best run, um, running operationally mm -hmm. very sound. But our decision was, well, okay, let's let's assume we've we've done that, but what does that enable them to do? And what is the obligation that they have and the purpose that they have? And at the end of the day, as I said earlier, so much of what companies are in the business of is helping to solve a challenge on some level, mm -hmm. somewhere in the world and maybe at the, uh, to the world at large. Um, and if we can help enable that, then they're helping the world become a better place. And, and that's what that was all about and what all of the, the surrounding campaign assets were focused on as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And you've jumped now to what, the 16th most 16, valuable brand? Five in, spots in so two years. Five spots in two years. You're halfway there. Yes, we're almost there. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. It's getting a little so, harder though. Once I know. You well, start call me when you hit that 10 zone. and we'll have another podcast. Woo! We'll have another session. <laughs> so I want to get even a little bit more personal. You were 11 years at American Express. 11 years. And you came to SAP about two years ago. So tell me about that. You had a great career at a great brand. Yes. So what was that decision like and why did you do it? Mm -hmm. And were you prepared for the move to SAP and taking yeah. on this responsibility as CMO? So when I first joined American Express, where they first wanted me to focus is to build up the public relations, communications, investor relations team. And so I, I spent a great deal of time doing that. And then as I worked to build that up for the travel services business, I wanted to also do the same on the marketing side um, because I felt that we were lacking in a lot of the, the strong capabilities that were needed that we had on the consumer side of the business that we didn't necessarily have for the travel pieces, which was such a core part of American Express. And so, you know, I wanted to, to, to really kind of right size what we needed to do. And so I spent a lot of time very early in my career building uh, building talent, building capabilities, um, introduced the first marketing automation technology into American Express, um, you know, uh, built the first social network in American Express. And so I was so it learning like you had bosses who let you run, right? For certain. Yeah. Um, you know, led by Ken Chenault, yeah. who uh, is one of the best. He is one of the best. He was on uh, the Procter & Gamble board. Oh, yeah, I mean, so I got phenomenal leader. Um, Ed Gilligan is who brought me into the company, uh, who was our, our chairman of the company at the time and, and ran uh, mostly the B2B side of American Express. And so these were phenomenal leaders who believed in me and, and took a chance on me. I mean, I came in from an acquired company and, 
you know, they they kind of asked me to lead some pretty significant functions within the company, which doesn't happen that often, uh, especially for very significant and well-established brands. So I, I grew and grew so and how learned did and you, That's really hard to come in through an acquired company and take on projects on the big brand. Yes. So how did you deal with that? It was a different culture, right? You were yeah. unknown. Yeah. And... Um, what lessons do you have about how you got credibility? Yes. How you were trusted? Yes. I would say, um, and it's, I don't think it's any different from any big company. It's hard when you come in from the outside into a very well-established, highly matrixed organization. Um, because big companies are rooted in a very strong culture. There are absolutely certain ways of doing things. And... Oftentimes, people get hired new into companies and they're put into big roles because the leaders of those companies want to see change, but the culture of the organization doesn't necessarily embrace those ideas. And I don't know what it was, and maybe it was, was, was how I was brought up, you know, watching my parents mm -hmm. and their work ethic. But one of the things that has always been a strong trait of mine I can have amazing ideas and a lot of energy and a lot of passion, but I never go at anything just by myself. Um, you know, I team approach. Yeah, and I, I yeah. and I come to every discussion with saying, "I have a great idea," and I'll say to the team, "So, what do you think?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I am always. And you probably create a culture where they'll tell you if they don't like it. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. and. You need that type of behavior because if you come into a company with just the big idea or only your way of doing something, you will fail in highly established cultures. And, and quite frankly, you'd fail anywhere. Yeah. Everybody has their own personal beliefs and their own thoughts of doing things. And it's about how do you blend that together? Because I always believe that the end result is almost, always so much more successful when it has a collection of people that were behind it versus you because the success feels short-lived versus something that um, feels like it can have a real impact into how you truly want to change the company. And so I felt like I, I, I had a lot of training young at American Express to really – learn how to thrive in a big matrixed culture where often you're you're needing to get stuff done not by teams who report to you but teams who work in different departments and work around you and so this notion of telling people what to do and directing them what to do that doesn't work in big companies ever no, and like I said I, I can't even imagine in a small company that would ever work either. And so you lead through influence and you lead through inclusion. Knowledge, yeah. Yeah. Knowledge, and, influence, inclusion, purpose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And same at PG. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, no different. Yeah. Right. Exactly from, the same. I mean, there's there's so many business units. Yeah. Yet they have to all work together. Work together. Yeah. You're you're needing to influence. You're needing to build relationships to have people get things done for you. Right. And, and so that is what I felt like was at the core of um, what prepared me for SAP. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website. And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? 
Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So when you came into SAP as CMO and your CEO gave you that big hairy goal, be the top 10. So how, where did you start? How did you onboard? Did you make any mistakes? I mean, what did you do well? What do you, you know, do you feel you did not so well? It's not that long ago, two years. Yeah. So what, you know, how did you get this? Because it sounds like you've had a fast start, right? You've done a lot, yes. of, a lot of work in two years. Thank you. Um, I would say never underestimate um, the time you should invest in listening to points of view. If you, because everybody believes when they first take on a new role that they have to achieve something really quickly um, to be able to build Early that wind, credibility. Quick wins. on the board, all that stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like in three months, yeah. you better have a massive quick win. Yep. And I do think that there's some things that you can do that are defined as quick wins. I actually think going out and building relationships and listening to people is a win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have people report back to say, wow, I mean, Alicia has, has asked me for my opinion on three different ideas she's had, you know, three times over two weeks. Like people, they just want to be heard. They want to be consulted. They want to be part of solutions. And for me, reaching out and connecting and building relationships, to me, that was my quick win. Um, and that's how I started. I, I will never profess to to know something that everybody's going to be quick to know that I don't know something. And, you know, coming from financial services and, and the travel industry, now coming into to software technology, um, it was pretty clear that I was going to have a learning curve. And so I, I didn't try to to hide that in any way. And I asked maybe what felt like a lot of dumb questions in the beginning to really try to understand the value of our software. Did you do it across disciplines? So you talk to salespeople, finance people, engineers? Absolutely. Everyone, Um, customers? Especially the engineers. Um, You know, because I don't think that uh, we spend enough time with our engineers. Mm -hmm. I actually think that we need to spend more time marketing our engineers um, because talk about heart and soul that goes into yeah. building products. I mean, these engineers, I mean, they are, I mean, they're masters of, of what the end result becomes. And so I spent a lot of time with engineers really trying to understand. And, and look, the way that they articulate value is very different from how sales leaders will articulate value. So it was in, important for me to spend time with every discipline. I mean, the way my CFO uh, would articulate the value of the brand is very different from how my COO uh, would articulate that value. And so hearing those different perspectives, also hearing how they describe the value of marketing right. within That's the so company key. was so important for me to understand because we talked about this. And you in probably the heard a mixed story, right? Everyone had a slightly a different view on it. very mixed story yeah. from you're in charge of events to you're responsible for the health of our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you are the chief storyteller, to I don't know what marketing does. I mean, it was wow. mixed so and varied. So what did you do with all that data, and how did you decide what marketing should be at SAP? You know, we talked earlier about marketing is different at different companies, more than any other function, I think, in business. So now that you've been there two years, and you've taken all that data, and you've had a good run so far, what is marketing? What is your job? Yeah. I mean, where do you spend your time? What do you what are your KPIs? 
Yeah. So first off, I'll say that um, I don't think there is any more of a function than marketing that every area of the business depends on. Every function of the business from... We undersell that, don't we? We undersell really that. really critical. And, and Jim, the thing that fascinates me is, is yet there's still a question on the role of marketing within a company. Yet when I talk to our head of talent acquisition, she can't live without how I market because that's what attracts future employees mm-hmm. to SAP, to our sales leaders who depend on every activity that I I'm out there in the marketplace leading because it helps support what they need to achieve from a pipeline or a growth standpoint. Mm -hmm. To our head of finance, who equally needs to make sure that the shareholder community is aware of our brand value, how we're driving innovation that's differentiated from that of our competition. And so through every stakeholder in the business, there is a dependency on the marketing function. And so When I worked to build the marketing strategy for SAP, I worked to understand what were those dependencies on marketing. Now, I didn't often get uh, an answer that necessarily could easily map back to a marketing function, but I knew what they were after. And so what I had agreed with all of my stakeholders was I said, I don't want you to tell me precisely what you need marketing to do for you. I want you to tell me what you personally are being held accountable for achieving every single day. So our CFO, what is it that keeps you up at night and what problems are you trying to solve for? It was up to me as the head of marketing to then say to you, here's how marketing is going to help you achieve that. And I want you to have trust in me that tactically and strategically what I'm going to put against that is what I feel is going to help you sleep better at night in terms of how the marketing function can work in support of you. So I set up um, agreements with each of my stakeholders, which was, let me not bore you with uh, marketing qualified leads and SQLs and all the things that we talk Mm -hmm. about from a pipeline standpoint. Just talk to me about what you're trying to solve. And don't worry about messaging that to me from a marketing perspective. I got that. You just tell me what keeps you up at night and what your your business goals are that you're trying to solve for. Yeah. Well, let me let me pause there because I just want to reinforce to our listeners that is a really really key principle you just talked about. Mm-hmm. For every every person in marketing who's switching to a new assignment mm-hmm. or trying to reboot their performance, go talk to key stakeholders and ask them what success is for them, what yes. they're trying to do, what their purpose is with their group, their challenges. Digest all that, synthesize it, and you'll know what you need to do. It's, it's a re- really powerful point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's absolutely no downside and incredible upside to that conversation. Mm-hmm. You build trust, mm-hmm. you build understanding, mm-hmm. and you'll build a much greater marketing function. Yeah. And, and, and that's it's how... based on outcomes. That's right? how you win fans yeah. of the profession as well. I mean, oftentimes, a lot of the criticism of stakeholders around the marketing function is they don't understand the language we speak. Right. And so we need to um, speak more human. Yeah, we yeah. need to, and it and it goes for how we tell the story of our brands. Right. It also goes to how we manage the dialogue between our stakeholders. I think the two are very linked. Mm-hmm. I think I oh, would absolutely. I and I don't know if there's ever a study on this, but I would say that the brands that are seen as being the most connected to their consumers, I would almost guarantee that the marketing organization has an ability to speak the language of their stakeholders and absolutely has a seat at the table in their companies. And and when we try to constantly sort of understand why marketers don't have the seat as much as they need to, 
I think we need to really think about how well we're connecting with our stakeholders, which then can have that ultimate effect on how well the growth aspirations of our companies are being achieved. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you're in a fast moving business, mm-hmm. right? You're in an important business, a big business. How do you stay sharp, fresh, creative, you know, vital? Mm-hmm. What are your strategies for that? Well, I would say uh, being here in Cannes, uh, this, is, um, this is one of those ways. I mean, this is, a, this is both a, it's an investment in our brand, but it's, an, it's also an investment as me as, uh, as the marketing leader of the brand. Um, getting out and having conversations with people to learn about the challenges that they're up against, how they're solving problems, um, how they see the future, what new products and services are out there on the market that I can use to sharpen my marketing program. That so is, beyond can, what other events or meetings do you think are most important for you? I think South by Southwest is South huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the first time SAP as a company had a presence this mm-hmm. year, primarily always focused more on influence and consumer um, types of uh, products and services or music and arts. And I think that there's such a convergence there with technology Mm -hmm. now. And so South by Southwest is one. Uh, The ANA is something that, um, you know, as I continue now in my second year, finding myself- The biggest trade association in the US. The biggest trade association in the US. And I think very meaningful in the agenda that they want to shape. We talked earlier about, what are things that we can do to improve the perception of marketing within companies? I think that the ANA is uh, very strong in wanting to actually create standards to form alliances uh, around things that matter for the marketing profession, um, that every company can uh, align themselves to when it comes to defining the role of marketing. So the ANA is something I'm, I'm very, uh, very strong in as well. So are the things do you like, like uh Exercise, reading, yes, yeah. podcasts, yes. I mean, anything else, so, the people that you spend time with, your agencies? Yeah. What? So, um, you know, I, I have to stay energized and healthy. So I am um, two brands I'm very fond of. Peloton uh, sits in my basement and Orange Theory Fitness, which I think is next generation of fitness. It's really good. My kids are... They go, I don't know, maybe five times a week. It is... I'm not in that kind of rhythm, but I, I, I've gone. I do like it. Absolutely yeah. life-changing. Uh, and Ellen, who is the founder, um, did a keynote presentation with me at, at our big customer event last month. And um, I am someone who grew up as an athlete. But, uh, what was your sport? Uh, lacrosse and field hockey. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, very Pennsylvania. Yes, <laughs> yes. But 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 once you get out of college, you're, Tougher, you're not yeah. picking up a field hockey and right. lacrosse game like you would with like tennis or basketball. Um, and so I needed something that was going to motivate me. And the great thing about Orange Theory Fitness is no two workouts are the yeah. same, which I can't even wrap my head around. But they have teams of people who every month sit down and chart what the exercises are going to be by day. And they're synchronized with every location, no matter where it's you are powerful. in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about, you know, game-changing disruption to an industry that's been around forever. So, clearly, I'm a big fan. Um, it just shows the innovation possible, as you say, in something that's been around. And there's a lot of good gyms out there. There's good programs. But they came in and just rethought it. Yeah. And yeah. it's anybody who's ever given up on an industry that's been around too long. Yeah. No Lack of way. innovation, right? 
lack of innovation or a belief that it can be better. Yeah. I think that anybody who has a challenge with something because of, of this or that, whatever it may be, there is an answer. Yeah, there is. And it's just up to us as people to tr- sort of figure out what that is. Yeah, yeah. I was in Milan a few months ago and I went to the first Starbucks in Italy and it's a roastery and yeah. it's not just a roastery. I mean, it is an unbelievable experience. Yeah. And they never went into Italy because they didn't think they could do it in the kind of the home of coffee, but they just totally rethought what a coffee house could be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it blew me away. It's like mm-hmm. they did they did in coffee what Orange Theory did in fitness. Yeah. So it's just kind of a failure of imagination, right? I like that, failure yeah. of imagination. And we all have it. We all have that gift of imagination. Yeah, you know, it started when we were children. Yeah. You know, we always, you know, they're kind of imagining. I talked to the Lego CMO earlier this week here in Cannes. She came right. to speak to our young marketing class, and she talked about that, about the creativity and imagination and the problem-solving skills that children inherently have. And, and there is a fabulous brand with Lego, yeah. um, a brand that was, was iconic, uh, you know, a while ago, and then you kind of didn't hear much from them, mm-hmm. and then they came back. Yeah and have just dominated the toy industry. I mean, it is it is a, a, a incredible brand that has proven that you absolutely can reinvent yourself and then, you know, be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a simple story. It's all about purpose. It's all about children. It's all about, you know, inspiring the builders of tomorrow. Yeah. And their KPIs are around children's play and doing good for the planet, doing good for their people doing good for their partners. Yeah. They talk about the peas. Mm-hmm. You know, so a very inspiring story and great for the young marketers to hear it. It's great. Just I mean, and, and even, you know, I, I, I reflect on it as not only something that was a big part of my childhood, but as just a lesson for marketers about Absolutely. reinvention and purpose yeah. and, and why that matters and how it can have an impact, certainly when you think of the growth of the company. Yeah. So you said exercise, Orange Theory Peloton. So what else do you do to stay fresh? I would say people you hang out with. Yeah. So I would agencies say, that are important um, or other thought leaders. So I would say uh, influencers. So um, Clive Owen's a big part of mm-hmm. our brand, but we also just signed Carly Kloss, who is our newest brand ambassador. And I chose Carly um, because you know she's she's representative of the newest generation coming into our workforce, but. You know, at 26 years old, you know, she's a global supermodel. She's an right. entrepreneur. She's a television personality. But she also uh, it has one of the, the largest social media mm. uh, following with over 18 million followers across all of her social platforms. And, you know, not only is that how influence happens today, but I also find across every um, uh, role that she has, and she has a lot of uh, brand ambassador roles as well, she really knows how to build an experience that resonates and connects with people so much so that they don't necessarily follow her. They actually engage with her. And that is so much of how where marketing is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get a lot of inspiration from Carly, from our influencers that are in our in our network. Um, I will say my children are absolutely an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the purity and the thought that they have, um, but also their conviction. I look at my daughter who's 10 years old and, you know, she's a, she's a very proud Girl Scout. And I remember when I was her age and you, this notion of needing to go door to door and knock on, knock on strangers' doors and ask them to pay you money for cookies. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't want to do that. She is like out there and, you know, doing everything she can because she wants to be the top seller. And I thought, wow, I mean, the, the skills that she's learning. So she hasn't gone digital? 
She's door to door. A little, little bit, bit of digital. A little bit digital too, yeah. But it's amazing. It's such a great point, Jim, that you're making with how of our generations are growing up. And they give you the digital Tools, capabilities yeah. to do it with the Girl Scouts. But she's like, no, door to door. I want to see the person. Does business run on SAP? <laughs> not, yet. <laughs> not yet. It will. Not yet. But yeah. that is, that's fabulous. But, you know, my, my kids, um, very close circle of friends that I've always had in my life, um, people that I that have always provided great counsel to me. And these are both family friends, but also professional friends that I've had in my career who've supported me and who've advocated for me, who've taken risks on me. Um, I get so much inspiration um, from them. I mean, they were willing to take a risk on me. And so clearly they had this ability to to sort of see things. And so I learned that because I think your ability to see things in others that, um, you know, are really going to uh, really amounts to you taking risk. Those are, you know, some of the greatest leaders. And I know that when I think of my career, you know, the the greatest risks that I've taken in my career are the risks that I've taken on people. And, you know, they've really, it's paid off to me. I mean, whether, you know, regardless if it's a new product I created or a new business strategy that I put forward, I've always been the most proud of, of the people that I've put on projects that they may not have believed that they could do it, but I saw something in them that they could. And, and whether they succeeded or failed, that wasn't how I judged success in that, but it was more about the fact that, you know what, I saw something in them and they grew as a person as a result of it. And so I take a tremendous amount of inspiration from, from those moments as well. So two last questions. When you leave your amazing role at SAP someday, what do you want people to remember you for? That I had a very clear vision and a way to inspire and include others in being part of the journey mm -hmm. to achieve it. Beautiful. What other CMOs should we have or CEOs? or thought leader should we have in this podcast? Who would you like to hear? Oh, well, first off, we absolutely need Bill McDermott, my CEO. Okay. He is, have you met Bill before? No, I have not. Okay. I mean, I've seen him in meetings, speeches, things like that, but I haven't Talk met him. about passion and inspiration. Um, and also what you'll appreciate, um, someone who never, ever has forgotten where he came from. Mm. And every day he tells us stories about his childhood and and what that created in him or... Where did he grow up? He grew up in New York, mm -hmm. um, uh, in Amityville. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he always will tell us too about one of his first jobs working at Xerox, where he was carrying the equipment on his back, doing all the walk-ups, you know, in New York City and, you know, 95, 105 degree weather. And he hustled. Every day hustled, you know, and, and he is just such an inspiration about how hard you need to work to earn what you want to earn in life. And uh, absolutely, Bill McDermott. So okay, good. You, you, you will love Super. this. Um, you know, so I would say Bill. Um, and then I'll go back to, you know, Ken Chenault, you know, my yeah, former leader yeah. at American Express. Um, you know, even though he's re retired now from his post at American Express, he holds, you know, tremendous board yeah, seats today uh, where he has a lot of influence, um, not only into our investment mm -hmm. community, uh, but also into, you know, more of our modern brands that are yeah. helping to shape the way we we operate as companies and frankly, as marketers today as well. So super inspirational. You'll you'll find two different personalities in, in, in yeah, terms of composure yeah. and yeah. style. Yeah. Um, which I think would be an interesting combination there. Fantastic. Well, yeah. thank you. And thank the you, last Jen. thing I say, this has been fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. And I want you to be sure your mother listens to it. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. Thank you.
That was my conversation with Alicia Tillman. The biggest thing I got from that was her results orientation, her optimism, and the passion she has for being CMO of SAP. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.